I am Duststorm. I got a few people here for talking about the Borderlands pre-sequel game that's going to be coming out later this year. I have Matthew Armstrong, franchise director for the pre-sequel game. Hello. Thank you time to talk with us today. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. <laughs> and I have uh, Tony Lawrence over here. I'm the studio head of Tikai Australia. That's right. And you were actually going back to the briefing that you had at PAX East. Mm. You were the team that came up with the whole new idea for having a, a new weapon type in Borderlands. So why don't you talk about that a little bit? Uh, the okay. ice stuff. The ice stuff. Yeah, well, I, I guess we didn't come up with the idea. It was more about that we implemented it. Um, so when we, we talked to the guys at Gearbox, um, you know, Matt and his colleagues, about um, introducing an ice weapon, we were really into it. it. It's the moon and it's cold and we really want to have an ice weapon. Um, but uh, we were told, it's, you know... It's we, we, had, we had done the ice weapon before. We attempted to do our ice weapon before and found it was fraught with difficulties mm. and we recommended against it. So about two hours later, we had a prototype working. <laughs> Against his recommendation. Against his recommendation. It was like, yeah, <laughs> it was stuff never, that. It was never an edict. It was only a recommendation. Got it. But we were really into it. We, we, we wanted it to happen, so we'd made it happen. Cool. Yeah. Is there any other elements that you guys have been working with or have toyed with possibly to in- introduce into Borderlands and haven't? I, I think we really wanted it. We sort of wanted to really focus on, on adding the ice and take, doing the most we possibly could with this. Because it's not just like slowing the enemy down and freezing them. It's also bursting them into pieces yeah. and finding ways to integrate that into the mechanics. And there's lots of new game mechanics in the new Borderlands game that took up a lot of time. We, uh, well, it takes place on the moon. And when you go to the moon, there's certain things you expect from the moon. If you, if you ask anybody what's the moon like, they're going to tell you, well, it's, it's low gravity. Um, there's no atmosphere. Uh, it's cold, which is where we, Get the inspiration for the ice weapon. Uh, expect lasers. It's going to be a lot of lasers. On lasers are going to be pretty laser interesting. Weapons. Uh, moon vehicles, spacesuits. You know, there's there's lots of promises to the moon, and we want to make sure that we hit all of those. That's pretty cool. And the low gravity, which is pretty interesting, with the whole um, what you're doing well, with the air packs. Low gravity is, is awesome fun. I mean, it adds a whole new layer of to the combat of Borderlands. And and while we, we the, the, the game still feels like a Borderlands game, it's it's a really natural thing to start playing with low, low gravity. Um, and rather than looking for cover, your air becomes a new weapon. Mm-hmm. So you can jump really, really high in the air, and that is so much fun. But one of the really cool things is coming down from being that high. And when you're coming down really fast, you can slam straight into your enemies and uh, you know, take, give them a heap of damage. Yeah, I saw quite a bit of that at PAX Seasons. But seeing the gameplay demo here, it's been it's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun, absolutely. Did yeah. you get a chance to play? I have not got a chance to play it. Okay, well, hopefully the the show's almost over. Yeah, I've been running around <laughs> trying to. Not a lot this of is my first E3, here. so oh, I've yeah? been trying to get, take in everything. I've I've done many many E3s. Yeah, so uh, it's, it's, it's been a wonderful experience, though. Yeah, I, if if you get a chance to play, you'll you'll sort of get a sense of how how we tried to make it as intuitive as possible. Hmm. Once you understand, if you know how to play Borderlands, it takes you almost no time to understand the whole ability to jump and boost and fly around. The only thing that takes a few seconds to realize is when you jump up in the air, um, we've we played games that have low gravity before, and it's always really fun to jump up, but then coming down, you feel like helpless, and it's slow, and it's kind mm-hmm. of awkward. So uh, the solution that, that the guys over in Australia came up with was, well, what if when we hit the crouch button, we just pull ourselves down? I mean, not not hold it down for the full slam, but any time I touch the crouch button, I can just come down at, at uh, Earth-like gravity. So all of a sudden, I can get up and have the fun of getting up, but then I can get down as quickly as possible so that I'm never, I'm never in a situation where I feel like I'm out of control. And it really brought a whole new feel to, to low gravity gameplay. It's, it's the, uh, 
it's the most accessible and and effective low gravity gameplay that I've ever seen. And it's really intuitive the way that you've incorporated the low gravity and the lack of oxygen really into the Borderlands um, environment. It's it's really cool to see some of the stuff they've guys done just from the video that I've seen. Yeah, well, I guess it's one of the things when we we talked about you know, the promises of the moon and, and no low, no or low oxygen is one of those promises. But we didn't want to make it a resource. We didn't want to make it a game where you're looking everywhere just to keep alive. Um, so we made it fun because you know, we wanted to make it a really fun game. So we made it. We made Oz kits, and Oz kits are a way to really change the way you play. Um, your basic Oz kit is, is basically turns into a jetpack, so you get to be able to breathe. That's probably a good thing for the moon. Yeah, um, preferably. And then, then use that to, to fly around. So you've, you've got your low gravity jumps to get you up in the air. Um, once you're there, you can double jump using that, that Oz kit that, as a, as a jetpack. You can thrust yourself forward. You can thrust yourself backwards, um, and go up and down. Um, but that just wasn't enough. We wanted to have even more fun. So we kind of weaponized it, basically. Um, so looking for Oz kits is no longer a chore. You're looking out for the best Oz kit. You're looking for an Oz kit that will do something that you really want to use. You know, an Oz kit that will um, inflict incendiary damage when you slam down, or or corrosive damage, or you know, or shock damage, whatever, whatever you can have, even cryo damage. So you've got this an Oz kit that isn't just a resource. It's something you use and have a lot of fun with. That's pretty cool. Now, as far as the characters go, it's interesting to to go back and not many log not a lot of games do this, where you have one story, then you go to a sequel, and then you kind of go back in between. So, how is the bringing Handsome Jack back and Athena and Wilhelm, Nisha and Claptrap? How has that been kind of developing the story for that going? Well, uh, we, we really wanted to sort of delve back into the the story of how Handsome Jack became who he was. There's a really interesting. Um, a story that the guys in Australia wanted to explore. And also, uh, Anthony Birch and myself kind of were very keen in talking about how this guy keeps saying he's the hero. And from his perspective, he is. And like, how does a hero become something else? How does he become corrupted? And, and the truth is, it's sort of a, a fundamental tale of, of the Borderlands and Pandora and Elpis the Moon, which is, it's a harsh planet and you have to do harsh things to survive. And sometimes you have to make decisions that are, um, rather extreme and, and you have to consider whether you're willing how much mercy you, you're willing to give when mercy itself is dangerous leaving leaving the bad guys alive they might come back on you later and handsome jack is confronted with the fact that sometimes half measures are, are a bad idea but if you go all in that's a bad person and he has to figure out what he's going to be and who he's going to become anyone who's played borderlands 2 might have some ideas about where he's going to lie on that <laughs> yeah but what's kind of interesting is the characters around him and how they react because mm. Athena has her own views on whether or not you should be doing this sort of thing. Uh, Nisha is, is a really wicked bad girl and she wants him to go down that path. And so when he starts going down that path, she's kind of excited and they sort of get closer. Uh, Claptrap has his own sort of interesting dynamic with Handsome Jack because um, he finds himself working for somebody, but he's a robot. He doesn't have a lot of options there. And uh, Wilhelm is is very much the proper mercenary who's finding that Handsome Jack gives him the thing he wants, and what he wants is he wants to change himself. He wants to upgrade himself through technology, through advanced technology, and become more than human. Um, he may be sacrificing a lot of himself to do that, but here's somebody who can enable that change. Yeah, and you mentioned Claptrap was in there, and that's kind of one of the, been one of the interesting characters to see kind of come through this because we know Claptrap is this kind of timid, really quirky robot, yet we're seeing him as a gunslinger for the pre-sequel. So how's, how'd that come about? He's a timid, quirky gunslinger. 
Uh, yeah, I was going to say the the thing with claptrap is um, when we when we started talking about claptrap being a playable character, the the question was um, can we make him a playable character but still maintain the core of claptrap, which is he's the lovable loser, he's the annoying pain in the ass, he's the person who thinks you're his best friend, and he's he's kind of someone who doesn't succeed. He's you know he's kind of. The, the phrase we use is he fails his way upwards. You know, he succeeds through through mistakes and failing and, and all the difficulties of his life. Um, if we can reflect some of those concepts in his gameplay, then Claptrap becomes a viable player character. If at the end of the game you still get the feeling that he was kind of a loser, a lovable loser the whole time, even though he may succeed, um, then we can make Claptrap a playable character. And we we went to Australia and spent some time with with them, and we worked it out and figured out a way we think that that's going to uh, be exactly what we do. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I think... Because Claptrap is probably one of those characters that everyone has fallen in love with for the Borderlands series. Right, and I think people are kind of curious as to what his action skill and his skill trees look like. And we're really eager for people to find out, but at the same time, you know, it's not quite time yet. Yeah, I think everyone's excited to see what you're going to do with Claptrap and how that's going to tie into Jack's story. So that's that's really cool. Oh, we can't wait, really. Yeah. Is there any kind of new elements? Because I know a lot of this stuff is being pulled from the Borderlands 2 infrastructure that you have with the game. Is there anything new other than the cryo stuff that you have uh, and the Ozkit stuff that you've introduced into the Borderlands with the pre-sequel? Well, there's lasers. Um, and lasers. Cause, cause it's kind of funny. You say, is there anything new? We've introduced low gravity yeah. and Oz kits and lasers and cryo weapons and there's all, there's characters, always characters new enemies, <laughs> new environments. Right. Right. Yeah, quite a bit, as it turns out. We've, we've put a, like, a lot of new things in yeah. this game. Yeah. So, but is there any, any kind of like smaller tricks things? Like the UI has been changed from Borderlands to Borderlands 1 to Borderlands 2 and you have a bunch of new a stuff. Is there any like little things yeah, that yeah. people I mean, might not exactly notice offhand at the start? Sure. I mean, the UI is probably an example. I mean, the O2 needs a bar there. So that's, that's something that's there. But um, what, what, what was, what we, the feedback we got from, from fans was, um, the badass, the badass ranks were something they really got into mm. and got a hold of. So now we've added an icon that'll represent what, what rank you are and you'll be able to, to play co-op and, um, see, who you're playing with and what their badass rank is. So, you know, it's That's pretty cool. Really cool. Yeah. Because you have all those titles for every single level. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. to have an icon for every one of those is going to be pretty yeah. cool. Very nice. There's a, there's a lot of icons. <laughs> yeah. So, for the story going from Borderlands to Borderlands 2, there, there wasn't as much of a solid story um, for the first game. And then you just have this <gasps> influential. <gasps> How dare you? <laughs> well, just influential and all out, wow, this is an amazing campaign. How does how did that kind of come about? Actually, when you get to the end of Borderlands One, we sort of recognized that the story wasn't all it could have been. We we had to make choices uh, in develop. Anytime you make a development, you have to make choices. And one of the choices we made is how much time do we need to focus on trying to make the story the best it can be versus the game the best it can be. But what we like to do is when when we get into DLC, we like to explore some choices and try to refine things. And you'll find that actually the first time the Borderlands Two that sort of storytelling and story style showed up wasn't in Borderlands Two. It was in the, the zombie island of Dr. Ned. If you played that first Borderlands DLC, it tells a story just like Borderlands 2. It's got the same quirky characters and the backstories and the humor. And it really brings that the, um, it, it was our opportunity to explore and try to fine tune the storytelling of Borderlands. And it was a way for us to sort of, 
um, test the waters on doing that. And for uh, Borderlands 2, we did the same thing. When we hit the DLC, we get to the secret army of, uh, no, when we get to uh, the uh, Tiny Tina's, Tiny Tina's, yeah. Tiny Tina's oh, Dra- Assault amazing. on Dragon Keep. And also, uh, Sir Hammerlock versus the Son of Cromorax are two of the last DLCs we did. And one thing we did different in the story, sort of continuing to evolve the storytelling, is we found that players don't want to project themselves into the world. They actually embrace the player characters as characters. They love Gage for who she is. They love Krieg for who he is. And they're going to love Athena and Nisha for who they are. I already love Nisha for who she is. She's a terrible evil person, but I really <laughs> like her. Uh, yeah, but terribly amusing. So what we did with, with um, Tiny Tina and with Sir Hammerlock's DLCs is those characters comment on what's going on. They're part of the story. They talk about what's going on. And they're not just sort of um, sideline participants. Um, in the pre-sequel, we're dealing with the girl who becomes Hedgehog Jack's girlfriend, and she meets him for the first time. Uh, Borderlands 2, it's kind of weird to be playing as Maya, who's a siren, who has this... I've been searching for sirens my whole life. She meets Lilith and doesn't say anything. You know, there's no relationship developing there. And uh, we definitely are pushing much further in that direction in terms yep. of these characters being active participants in the story and having their own arcs within this story. And you really see that in the story as well. You, 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 the, the characters aren't saying anything. They're actually commenting on what's going on around them. They're, they're commenting on what their, their co-op player is, is doing and what their, you know, what their actions are in the game. So you really get that story of, I am this person, and I'm getting a bit of a glimpse of their personality. They're saying some really kooky things, and now I'm getting who this character is even more. That's pretty cool. And to see how that's going to tie into Borderlands 2 when you finally get that meeting point, that's going to be really cool to see how that story is finally just come does a full circle. We found we found some really interesting... There's, there's a tapestry of the Borderlands universe. There's a lot of threads. Uh, the Telltale Games Tales from the Borderlands has some threads that come from the pre-sequel through Borderlands 2 and into Tales from the Borderlands. There's stories where if you understand... If you know what happened before and you play this game and then you play the Telltale game... You will find that there's a lot of story arcs and, and, and concepts that, and characters and other events that influence and affect each other in really interesting and dynamic ways. We're having a lot of fun sort of creating a holistic universe. Yeah, yeah. And we've been able to do that. I mean, look at Wilhelm as a great example. Yeah. Now, Wilhelm is a, a robot with a human head when you see him in Borderlands 2. That's essentially what you see him as. Um, but because you're doing his story, his, his rise with Handsome Jack, you get to see him as a man and, and, build his skill tree out to the point where you're mechanizing him as you go. So he builds on his, his pneumatic fist. He he has the, the, the vengeance cannon that coming back out of his shoulders. He gets his robotic legs as you fill out his skill tree. Um, and that's a fantastic thing to be able to do. Very cool. Well, I'm excited to see how everything is going to turn out. I am very excited for the new stuff, the lasers, the Oz kit, and the cryo guns. So, Matt, Tony, thank you again for taking time to talk to me today. Thank and, you. Cheers, Dustin. And for everyone that's listening, you can check out the pre sequel later this year. October. October this year. It's going to be a lot of fun. I love Borderlands. I'm sure everyone listening to this loves Borderlands as well. So thank you guys again. And this has been from E3. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you guys next time.